Welcome to This Week in Tech with Gene Destro. Now is your chance to get caught up in all that's happening in technology around Akron and the rest of the world. Now here's your host, Gene Destro. This week I'm coining a new word, twitphobia, which means, in my personal little internal dictionary, the fear of posting on Twitter. Listen now as I explain how I developed what may be an increasingly common malady and what cybersecurity expert Dr. John Nicholas from the University of Akron says he thinks I ought to do about it. On Friday, I posted my tech report to Twitter like I normally do. I used both my work account and then I went on to my personal Twitter. And as I was posting, I noticed that Elon Musk had posted something and had said, you know, hey, so many people out there say they read Twitter, but they don't participate. So it would be great if everybody would participate. And so I wrote back. (laughs) to Elon Musk and said, hey, it would be great if you would rehire the people that were your content moderators, if you would make sure to attend to security issues, and if you could make sure that people who say they are a certain person actually are. In other words, you could verify identity because there was that whole blue check thing, right? And then I logged off and went about my business, and then I went to log back in And my account was blocked. Now, it wasn't like blocked by Elon personally, but it said that there was unusual activity on my account and they wanted me to provide my, you know, name. So I did. And it still wouldn't let me in. And it wanted me to provide my phone number. And I was like, yeah, I know, but that's what I use for two-factor authentication. And if this is hackers, I don't want them to have it. So I just backed out of it and said, you know, no way. And then later, later on in the day, uh, I went to a different computer and I logged in with a VPN and it was a different device in a different location and I got right in. Hmm. So what do you think that means, if anything? What I think that means is that whoever was Elon Musk in your situation was not really Elon Musk. And if you recall, as soon as uh, Elon took over, a lot of celebrities were logging in and pretending to be him and saying, see how easy it is to fool this system and your security is horrible. And so what happened when he bought the company and he got rid of all of these people and, and they were some of them were the content providers, others just went because they didn't like the hardcore email that they got. And right now there is no way to tell what's going on inside that company or how safe it is. So it seems like to me if somebody pretended to be Elon Musk and were trying to do exactly what you thought, which was to get your login credentials, and then they would have been able to pretend to be you. Uh, you know, that's funny because I didn't even think of that, that it might have been somebody pretending to be Elon Musk putting out this positive, hey, rah, rah kind of tweet. I figured it was really him. But, you know, considering his personality <laughs> It probably wasn't really him. There's a lot of people on Twitter for one person to interact with is really impossible (laughs) or difficult. But the the fact that you were able to get in with that VPN indicated to me anyway, is that whoever was trying to get you to fall for this before was tuned into whatever IP address and location that that device was giving. And when you went to the VPN and that changed your IP address and it changed your location, you were able to get in, kind of indicated to me that once they figured out and attached to you, they were watching that device and that IP address and that location. But when you went to the other IP address through the VPN, and and the and the other location or you got past whoever these hackers were and you got into the real twitter huh 
So because like when I first tried to get in, I was on one computer at my office and then I went to another computer down the hall, you know, in the same building. So if they were watching the IP address, would that have emanated from the network from the building or just from that particular device or group of devices? How does that work? Well, it kind of depends on how your IT team has things set up, but most companies today, including the University of Akron, are using uh, private internal IP addresses, not public facing IP addresses. So those are the ones that you'll see typically, like a 192.168 is a private IP address, a 10 dot something IP address, and sometimes a 172.16 IP address are all reserved for private use, which means you can set up a subnet behind your cable modem or whatever gets you out to the internet. And you can do all the routing internally on this subnet, but the outside world only sees the public facing IP address, which is usually what's on your cable modem or whatever connects you to the internet from the outside. Oh, okay. So then if they were running that kind of scam, they would have been blocking like the whole IP address for like the whole company. And then when I moved out of behind that firewall and came somewhere else and had the VPN, then they couldn't tell it was from there. Right, right, exactly. Huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't that amazing how, how how that is? And people who understand how all of that works to them, that's not even an afterthought. They're like, okay, I know what I've got here. But to the rest of us who are, are trying to figure out, uh, I know what an IP address is, but I really have no idea how they work, would be completely baffled by that. You know, that's funny because you know I posted that that happened to me to my Facebook page, and then all my friends are like, "Wow, you're a hero! You got you got <laughs> blocked by Elon Musk." And I was like, you know, I don't think it was really him that did it no 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 i my, my guess is between <laughs> rocket ships and electric cars and paypal he's got more pressing things to do <laughs> yeah i mean and it wasn't even like i was snarky i was just like you know you want more participation then you need to make this place secure and then over the weekend this crazy story came out that matt taibbi broke it was you know internal twitter postings having to do with the allegations surrounding Hunter Biden's purloined, at least allegedly purloined, and and or hacked laptop, right? right? And this whole Hunter Biden laptop has had like its own little life on the internet for a couple of years now. And after I read the stories, I was like, well, this is kind of a nothing burger because it didn't show that anything illegal happened, one. Right. But what was of concern to me was Elon Musk personally got into their data and gave it to somebody. It's like, A, it wasn't his data. It was somebody else's data. And two, he put in the personal email addresses of people that some of them probably still work there. And now some of them are getting harassed. I mean, what's up with that? I mean, now why would anybody trust him or that company for anything? reason at all. That's my question. Well, you can't. And unfortunately, with Elon Musk going in there, first of all, and getting rid of all the content moderators behind the guise of free speech. And as a broadcaster, I'm sure you know the history of FCC rules. And and there was a reason why we sort of couldn't say certain things in certain contexts on the air. And that all went away with social media. But then we finally went, hey, this is dangerous. So now we need to maybe regulate this a little bit and make sure, at the very least, if somebody says something like this, that it's true. 
Uh, but but when he went in there and took away all of those safeguards and he lost a ton of his employees with security and now he's going into people's personal accounts and posting it, there is absolutely no reason to trust Twitter anymore. Yeah. So, you know, I was kind of on the fence about this and I keep thinking, well, you know, really the only reason I use Twitter uh, is to post my tech reports, which we run on the air, we have on our website, and I post on other social media. But I'm thinking, hey, there's other social media in the world. And I actually work for a media company and we have our you know, our own platform. And certainly I can amplify it other ways other than Twitter. I'm thinking that's what I had to do. That would be my advice. I do some stuff outside of the university that I use social media to promote quite a bit. And I've basically just narrowed it down to Facebook. I did have a Twitter account until Elon Musk bought it. And I probably was, or as soon as there was rumors Elon Musk was going to buy it, I dropped my Twitter account. And so I was off even before he owned the company because I saw this coming. So I guess the whole thing is, is for now, I guess we can still trust Facebook and some of the other platforms. TikTok is one that I would maybe stay away from because there's been concerns with the Chinese government with that one. I think, you know, we all have to be on our toes and pay attention to this news now because there really is no government regulatory committee regulating any of this right now. I mean, it's sort of a wild west of personal data and opinion. And two thoughts on that. One, when you say there is no government regulation, I mean, to a certain degree, there's there's some. There's been calls for more. But some of the people that are calling for more are doing it specifically because they claim that content moderation has been used specifically to shut down right-wing or at least right-leaning kind of thought. And from my perspective, I don't think that just having content moderation where you're trying to control hate speech and disinformation, I don't see that as necessarily aimed at one side or another. And if there is more disinformation coming out of one side, you could say, well, okay, yeah, but it isn't designed to do that, at least as far as I could tell. That's exactly right. And there is misinformation coming from both sides and from all over. And then, you, then of course, you have the people who think they're clever and they're pranksters who just want to throw some crazy thing out there and see if it gets viral, right? And so if, you know, the side of the political fence you're on is getting moderated for a lot of misinformation, perhaps at some time for some internal reflection. <laughs> um, but the truth is the truth. And once something is put out there, and it gets legs and there's misinformation involved and it leads to some of the things we're seeing, that becomes a societal problem, right? There's still the social contract that is out there that means, you know, uh, the cliche is you can't scream fire in a crowded theater. That's not free speech. And and I think what we have going on here with uh, the content moderation is a lot of people are screaming fire in a crowded theater. I mean, it's creating chaos, but it is not a right or left thing. There's been misinformation out there of all kinds, some against products. So that, you know, it could be a corporate or somebody hiring some people to say product X is is horrible. That's why you should use product Y. You know, so it's it's not really a political thing. It's it's about truth or not truth. And and the line between the two is becoming more and more gray. And it's not like I want to necessarily pile on to Elon Musk, but I mean this is top of mind for me, right? But when he came out and purposely disseminated internal information about this whole Hunter Biden allegedly hacked computer, what he was doing was, in my mind, he was actually taking private company information and putting it out and putting his own employees at risk. So my question is, how can consumers ever trust him or anybody in any kind of company that puts your 
information at risk, especially if, if you're an employee there? How could you trust anybody that does that? Well, I, I don't think that you can. I don't think that you can. And and the fact that he is willing to go into personal data and publish that, even if it in this case, it looks to me like some kind of a political attack against Hunter Biden, which has been going on for forever and forever. What What's to say next? He won't do that for Tesla owners or PayPal owners. So, so to me, I have no trust in anything that Elon Musk does anymore. And had he done this to a, a European citizen where they have the, the GDPR in place, which is, you know, the European Union way of protecting privacy and data, he would be facing about a $4 million fine for that, which to him might be nothing. And that's what I mean about an overarching government regulation is that some states have some privacy data laws in place. New York has SHIELD, California has CCPA, Ohio has the Ohio Data Protection Act, which is more of a, if you do these things, you can't get sued for loss of data in Ohio rather than any sort of punitive damage. But, you know, had we had some nationwide legislation that says you can't push people's private data out there, no matter who you are, that could stop this kind of thing. So the problem is Elon Musk is doing this. The second problem is he's just showed a whole bunch of other people that there won't be any ramifications if they follow suit. And, and wow. so there's a much bigger picture here. And as a consumer, I mean, that's of concern to me because for people like Elon Musk, oftentimes people who are extremely wealthy, their whole mantra is less government regulation, controlling big business is bad. I mean, there's a reason why the government steps in and it's to protect us, the little guys. I mean, we're just the cannon fodder in this particular data war right now. And you know, over the years, ever since I started following cybersecurity issues, I just often feel so much like collateral damage, like these big, rich people with these huge tech companies are doing all this stuff and they're playing with my information. And at the end of the day, if anybody gets damaged, it's me and I can't do anything about it. Right. Right. And that's the bigger picture here is there are no ramifications if somebody does post everything about you on the Internet and exposes everything you've ever done. Maybe some court would take it up as a libel case or, or a character assassination case, but you'll never undo that damage. And there are no ramifications if somebody does that. And if he can do it to the son of the sitting president of the United States, then he can certainly do it to any of us. Sure. Now, I mean, there were some ramifications and some damages, big damages leveled recently against Alex Jones for the info wars with regard to the Sandy Hook murders, mass killing, and all the disinformation that he put out. But I just read over the weekend that he just declared bankruptcy. So I don't know whether right. any of those people, any of those poor people that he raked over the coals are going to see anything. They're not maybe not going to see a dime. And he's going to continue to skate scot-free, at least it seems like that could be it. And I think that's the bigger problem. Even if you now, you can have a libel suit and you can sue somebody individually, but all they have to do is claim bankruptcy and bankrupt their company. And, and there's no ramification beyond that, as far as I know. And that's a bigger problem. That, that's why we really need to take a look at the cyber world. I think the problem is a lot of us still have this 20th century mentality when we were under the protection of a lot of government regulation. And as we've deregulated stuff, we're seeing more and more that the individual and the consumer and, and the average average Joe, so to speak, um, is always going to get the short end of the stick when that happens. You know, and that would be fine if you really had a, a choice. I mean, you have a choice of whether or not you're going to be on Twitter. You have a choice of whether or not you're going to be 
on Facebook or whatever. But when it comes to overall having a choice as to whether or not you're going to use the internet, you don't have a choice anymore. I mean, you have to. I mean, this is how you access your work. This is how you get a hold of your doctor. I mean, the other day I tried to call my doctor's office. I couldn't get through to them, you know, and they have something on their recording saying, go online to our online portal and contact us that way. Because fewer and fewer places are actually employing enough people to answer the phones, et cetera. So it's not like I have a choice. And as a result, I'm caught in this battle of the titans that's rigged against me. I mean, that's what it feels like. It is largely that. The only real protection we have between these big giant corporations and all of this and us is the government. That's the role. That's the of the people, by the people, for the people that we say we need you to protect us against these criminals. And the trend over the last several decades with deregulation and the laissez-faire approach that we've had is really starting now to rear its ugly head. And, and we're seeing what happens when we don't have that regulation and those protections in place. And by regulation, you know, we're not talking about flat out socialism or communism at all, but where everybody gets paid the same amount, no matter what you do and all that scary stuff. We're talking about rules in place that like we have with the FDA, like we have with the EPA that protect us against these corporations from doing these things that damage us. And these things are now digital. It's not just pollution in the air and pollution in the water or bad food. It's it's everything about you that is somewhere in a computer somewhere that needs to be protected. That was Dr. John Nicholas, who teaches cybersecurity at the University of Akron. And that's it for now. Stay happy and healthy, and we'll see you again next week. That was This Week in Tech with Gene Destro. Tune in next week for more tech news on 93.5 1590 WAKR and WAKR.net.